So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Chandler Walker with us today from uh, StoneAgeFuel.com, actually from a no- with a number of different businesses. But we're going to be talking about today is the relationship between health and burnout. And I think this is, uh, you know, sometimes health is something that a lot of us uh, business-focused people can kind of tend to brush off to the side. But one of the things, at least that I've found, is that health is a really, really critical part of being successful in any kind of business endeavor. And Chandler actually has a story around this in that he actually pushed himself to the point of burnout, and that really drove a lot of insights for him. Chandler, please introduce yourself, and uh, let's get the conversation going. Yeah, perfect. Happy to jump on and talk about sort of my madness that led me to working through my burnout to create a program to solve these critical issues in business. Because I think when you think about it, you don't operate your business, you operate in your mind. And if your mind's a mess, your business is going to be a mess. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and because I think the, the thing that's important to think about too is because, you know, I, I had about a 20 or so year corporate career. And I think there's a, in a lot of companies or just a lot of uh, entities, there's kind of this pressure to basically put all of your time and energy into working, you know, in, into work act, work-based activities and to really kind of let your health atrophy, you know, and of course, if you do that long enough, then eventually you'll get to some kind of breakdown or, you know, and I, I've actually known a number of people who have, you know, who've developed a, uh, addictions. In some cases, it was to like painkillers or things like that. And I, I think that, you know, this is all just kind of a self-reinforcing cycle that it's really important to prevent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think your point is, solid right there because the work culture that we've created, especially in the US is yeah. work till you die, worry about your health later when you retire or yeah. something like that. So yes. we're taught and trained to work multiple jobs. And often people have to, There's not that's not a shot at people working multiple jobs, but we're taught to work 14 hours a day. We're taught yeah. to hustle. Like hu- I call it the hustle and pray strategy, hustle yeah. and pray. So hopefully somewhere down the road, you can actually win and be successful. But the problem is people go through so much burnout and so much pain doing this. They're yeah. juggling a million different things. They don't see their family anymore. They basically live at their business or their career. Mm-hmm. And then it puts them in this place where they have to create coping mechanisms. And, yeah. and like you're saying, that turns into addictions, that turns into to the inability to really even want to do anything with your family, it just turns into a host of problems that you kind of become numb to. And, and then yeah. unfortunately, most people don't solve it. Correct. And the, this is actually something that I've been doing a lot of thinking about recently, because as of the time of this recording, I was reading a report this morning, I think that said, you know, that was looking at like, say, Fortune 500 CEOs. And I think the average was something like 200 or 2000x the, the pay of the frontline workers. I think that was based on the Amazon CEO, you know, the CEO of Amazon. But at least the the thing that I've observed that I think creates this culture, you know, is that in most hierarchical organizations, you know, the people who are at the top, 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 right? The Fortune 500 companies, the C-level people get paid ridiculous amounts of money. There's almost no way to justify that level of compensation for what they do because you could pay somebody $500,000 and they'll make exactly the same decisions. But the reason why I think that people get paid so much 
is because it's almost like a lottery. It's where, you know, it, you know, if you basically make this unspoken agreement to essentially have the company be your entire life, you can have a shot at one of those spots. And but the flip side of that is that but you know, by buying into that, you know, kind of that system where the company or the structure, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a government agency, whether it's whatever, if that career ladder, if you buy into that being your sole focus, it is extremely easy to let your health deteriorate, let your relationships deteriorate, and then that you end up yet burnout, addiction, all that other kind of stuff. And so I think that the real question is that I think from an individual perspective, how do you break the cycle? I think from a, from a larger perspective, you would say, okay, you know, is this system fundamentally broken? I think it is, but I'm a little biased. Yeah, for sure. And I think I can tell you from experience, because I spent quite a bit of time as chief of growth with several organizations. And chief of growth, if someone's not familiar, is basically like head of marketing and sales. It's like chief revenue officer. So I was chief growth officer. And in that position, you get put in a spot to where you make a good salary. You make more than everybody else, obviously. But that also gives them permission to say, okay, well, now you have 17 meetings a day. You basically have a meeting every hour. And you have to come up with ideas and strategies. And then if your team doesn't hit your KPIs, it's on you and you have to work more. And you're just in a perpetual state of trying to catch up and you you never really do. And so we've created this culture to where that's become commonplace and that's normal. So, hey, you're in the C-suite. Guess what? Your life is gone. It's almost like being in the military. If we wanted a family, we'd issue you one. And so when I think about this scenario, we've created this normalcy behind it. I mean, I was reading about the Facebook COO, Sheryl Sandberg, and and she said she she would work all day, put her kids to bed, and then get in bed and work all night. And so that's the life of the, of the person on the corporate top le- corporate top or whatever. And then that becomes the lifestyle of the person at the bottom too, yeah. because it trickles down. Like yeah. if I'm at the top of an organization and I work 24 seven, my work ethic and culture drips down. And so I think that's where the problem is. It has to change from the top down. So that way it can trickle down and culture can become something where people don't kill themselves to get ahead and, yeah. and they can ultimately rest and live their lives and enjoy themselves. And that's another thing that that's a good point to bring up here because the culture we have right now, we talked about the great resignation. Mm -hmm. Millennials don't want to work. They're stupid idiots. People like to hate on millennials, but really guess what's happening? Millennials don't want to do it anymore. They don't want to work 24 seven. They don't want to kill themselves. They don't want to play into this culture where you need to work your entire life away. And then you get to enjoy it when you're 62 and retire. Mm -hmm. Millennials don't want that. They don't want to live that life. And I respect them for that. And I respect them for being in a position to where they can stand up and not do it. Because now these companies have to say, hold on, something's wrong. How do we get workers? And then we say, well, turns out if you take care of them, they'll stick around. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny, the alternate perspectives on millennials, because one of the things I think about millennials is I'm like, I go, okay, well, so they're figuring out something that I didn't really occur to me until I was (laughs) middle-aged, which is that there's this this cycle. And because of this is one of the things that I had observed is when I was in my corporate career is that, you know, essentially, if you want to extend, if you want to, you know, kind of ascend, right. You know, if you want a shot at one of those C-level positions, I think there were two things that I really observed. Number one, is you had to basically say your entire life belongs to the company, which actually was not as big of a deal to me. Part that I really had a problem with was that there were a a whole bunch of initiatives that were complete and total nonsense. But I noticed the people that ascended a, you know, not only acted as though they were like real, they actually believed that they were real. And so the, the thing that really was the real hang up for me is that I can't 
pretend that something that I know to be stupid is real and valuable. Value is value. If you want to have a debate about whether I'm wrong, I'm totally good with that. But if there's something that I know is destroying value and I have to pretend that it's the most important thing ever in order to ascend, I can't do that. You know. And then I, I also uh, re- really kind of woke up to the, oh, hey, you will eventually have to alienate your family in order to ascend and maintain at a very, very high level. And so then I think one of the things at least that, that I kind of wonder about going forward is that I go, okay, you do these, you know, does there have, do we have to get to a point where these astronomical comp packages start coming down because, you know, it's so hyper-competitive for these top spots that I think you almost can't avoid this basically 24 by seven work expectation. And I think, you know, if you're going to get to these, you know, just these ridiculously huge comp packages. Yeah, that's a good point because I think when you get into the corporate game or even the game of someone trying to excel and move to that C-suite ladder, it becomes a game of do everything you can to win in the business and don't commit corporate suicide. And I think that one of the most important ways you can get around this if you're not interested in working 24-7 and killing yourself is just, and this sounds weird, but be smarter than everybody. I think the most important skill set you can produce is it's not how good you are at work in that game. It's how well you can communicate. If yeah. you can communicate and you can work people around with your words, that's what is going to establish the leadership factor. Yeah. And that's what's going to get you promoted. And that's what's going to get you moving ahead. And that's what's going to get you to the next level. It has nothing to do with how good you are, unfortunately. It has everything to do with how well you work and play the game. And that comes down to your ability to communicate with other human beings and making other people feel more valuable than you. And that sounds weird, but you have to be able to make your superiors feel more valuable than you mm-hmm. because then they won't see you as a threat. You have to make yeah. Coworkers feel more, but you have to feel like the make everybody look at you like the least valuable person in the room, but they all need you because they come to you for all your ideas. And then they can use those ideas. But ultimately, if you're that one little piece of the machine, that one little cog that they need, you're solidified in there forever. That's an excellent point. Uh, Well, hey, let's pivot the conversation a little bit to maintaining your health because I know that's one of your core businesses. And I think that's a really important part of the mix here that's easy to ignore when you're really on kind of on that uh, that work treadmill. Uh, So what are some of the ways at least that you found that are most effective to just really maintain health and physical fitness? Yeah, good question. So when I was in the C-suite and running as chief of growth, one thing that really changed things for changed things for me was when I had my little girl. Mm-hmm. I didn't really recognize what it was going to feel like being a dad until I, I held her in my arms, and that, yeah. that kind of it changed my whole world because I was holding her and I felt like this electric shock. And I I kind of at that moment decided like I have this little girl. Yeah. I know a lot of people who didn't have a father who was present because he was working twenty four seven, and that impacts this little person their whole life. It creates the adult that they become. And at that moment, I knew like this isn't going to be the lifestyle for me. I'm not going to be the person who works 24-7. I don't care if I have to be broken homeless. I'm going to spend all my time with this little girl and make sure that her life turns out to be something where she isn't seeking attention because I wasn't there. And so that's when I kind of started looking at, okay, what can I do to to adjust myself? And I essentially broke off from the entire C-suite game. And, yeah. and that's where we started and built up Stone Age Fuel. And it was built around my madness. And it came down to six key pillars that we had to optimize to be well. Uh-huh. Uh, the first pillar was mental health. If we did not optimize our mental health, if we didn't feel good about where we are, if we were feeling burnout, foggy brain, miserable, everything else was going to crumble. And there was no sense in, in really making any, anything happen. And the key to making that happen is learning how to question yourselves and learning how to do what we call examine the evidence. 
that's saying, okay, if I work 24 seven, what does this do for me? What yeah. does this do for me personally? What does this do for me work-wise? Is this going to be worth it long-term? Am I going to look at my family and say, hey, I was there the whole time? Or am I going to look at my family and regret? And so we want to really start building these scenarios in our brains. So we can start to logically analyze where we're going to end up. Then we can ask ourselves, is it worth it? Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And I, I think, yeah, we're getting into really, really important stuff here. Well, and okay. So when you went through that breaking things off, how did you reestablish that balance? I mean, because, you know, you, you're obviously uh, looking at a, you obviously have a fitness-based business. And so I, I can't help but think that work versus, you know, kind of versus nutrition versus exercise, keeping those three things in that right balance is something you have to put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, for sure. So when I broke off, what I started doing was taking an inventory of my beliefs versus my yeah. values versus where, whether I was living up to those standards. Mm-hmm. And so, I was, okay, I looked at work, I looked at family, I looked at social environment, I looked at all all the different aspects of my life, and yeah. I rated them on a scale of one to ten. So one, uh, and then I rated it on a scale of one ten how close I was living up to those values. Yeah. So in the beginning, what I found was work was fairly high, and and everything else was was fairly was on the lower end. So yeah. then I just I made a plan of action to take all the things that were lower that I wanted to be higher in terms of health and move those up. Gotcha. And so that is kind of how the, the mental health side of things was born. And then I looked at social health. What social dynamics and environments was, was I in that uh-huh. were forcing me into an environment of working myself to death? Or, and what social environments would, would put me in an environment to where I was more focused on health, wellness, and balancing this whole thing out? Yeah. And so then I started moving myself away from the culture of heavy work in, the, in terms of the social dynamics and started moving myself toward, more towards my friends and the people I knew in, in the health-based realms. But the interesting thing in this journey was fitness and nutrition are the bottom end of the totem pole for me. And a lot of people don't recognize why that is. But the reason is number one has to be mental health, because if that's not in order, you'll quit everything else. Number two needs to be social health. If social health isn't in order and you're still with the the groups and you're still doing the things and people are still telling you you're going the wrong path, you're going to quit because you don't believe in yourself. The next big thing was sleep. If mm-hmm. sleep isn't optimized, you're going to have feel burnout. You're going to feel miserable. You're always going to feel you have headaches. You're not going to feel yourself. You're not going to be creative and your nutrition and fitness are going to fail before you even start because you're going to release hormones that tell your yeah. body to eat more and then you're going to gain weight. So then after we optimize those three, then we start looking at nutrition and fitness. That's interesting. I think sleep is one of the ones that I think is really easy to overlook or to walk past. I mean, and I know this is one of the things that I've struggled with too, just because, you know, in a normal day, my wife or I need to be up at 5.30 essentially to feed our pets. That get up time is, you know, 5.30 or earlier. And so what you end up having to do is that, you know, I found that, you know, sleep is really about disciplining yourself to get to bed on time. You know, because of course, right, it's really easy to just kind of stay up late, put on a show, watch another episode. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, 11 PM midnight and you're looking only at about four or five hours of sleep. You do that too many times in a row and you're going to have a lot of follow-on effects, you know, cause like you know, all, you know, all the people who say, oh, I only need four or five hours of sleep. It's like, no, you actually need more than that. If you're, you're kind of kidding yourself. If you think you can get by w- without enough sleep for long enough or for a really long time. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at sleep, it's it's the, one of the single most critical aspects of feeling well, doing yeah. well, and being well and living longer. And a lot of people will toss and turn because they have so many things they're thinking about. And so we have to set ourselves up in a place to where we have a bedtime, to where we have a bedtime routine, yeah. to where we have we allow ourselves worry time that becomes solidified as a worry time rather than worry time when you're laying down. 
And so I, I think a lot of the process of learning to sleep well is installing micro habits that allow you to yeah. start prepping and allow your body psychologically and, and physiologically to start saying, okay, it's, it looks like it's our, our downtime. It looks like it's our time to prep for sleep. And then that establishes a pattern and a, a pattern of habits. And that pattern of habits becomes something that you consistently can do and will do because mm-hmm. as human beings, we're creatures of habit. Got it. Got it. No, that's outstanding. Well, well, hey, uh, uh, Chandler. So uh, let's. I think. I think we've been having a great conversation. Give us one or two thoughts before we wrap up for the day, and uh, make sure to let people know where they can find a little more. Yeah, for sure. I think in this game of business, the number one most important thing you can remember is your work is always going to be there tomorrow. Yeah, you can kill yourself every day but you're always going to have that workload sitting right in front of you. So remember, it, it's okay to shut it down. It's okay to have a start and an end time to your business. It doesn't have to be 24-7. Even if you feel it does, you're going to kill yourself and burn yourself out. And as the CEO of a business, if you're running one, you're not going to be creative. You're not going to be capable of driving that machine yeah. forward. You're not going to be capable of creating that vision, leading staff, if you're not optimized. So you have to be optimized in terms of health, wealth, and your relationships and yeah. communications in order to move forward. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, because I think that's actually one of the things that I, you know, that I've really started to think about lately, you know, because I think, you know, I I grew up in finance. And so, you know, I was very, very, very wealth focused. But on the other hand, you think about, I go, okay, well, so ask yourself this question, you know, of your entire net worth right now, how much of it would you pay to be 20 years younger? That's it. All of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All of it. (laughs) Yeah. And so that means is that when I think about that, I'm like, okay, so in that case, time is actually in a lot of ways, way more important than money, but we don't treat it that way. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at it at the end of the day, money comes and goes. Like yeah. time versus money. You have money. Money's going to come and go. You're going to get money in your bank account from your business, yeah. from your job. It, it replenishes itself. Yeah. But time, time at the end of the day is the thing that never comes back. So time spent w- wishing, waiting, wanting, saying, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. Maybe I'll take that vacation. All of a sudden, that time goes away. Fast forward five, 10 years from now, you look back and you regret. You regret not doing, you regret not being, you regret working so much and killing yourself and living the life ultimately that you really didn't want or intend to live. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, let's see. So as far as your website, I know uh, one of your sites is stoneagefuel.com. That's S-T-O-N-E-A-G-E-F-U-E-L.com. Is there any any, any other places where we can go to get a hold of you or uh, favorite socials? Yeah, for sure. A couple of places. So we have a, I have a free training on, it's ultimately built around how to lose weight without diets, pills, uh-huh. restrictions, and how to optimize our six pillars of wellness. So mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness habits. That is available at sixpillars.stoneagefuel.com. That's uh-huh. S-I-X-P-I-L-L-A-R-S dot stoneagefuel.com. And if you want to connect with me personally on Instagram, just go to instagram.com forward slash Chandler underscore SAF. The picture is me on a yellow water slide sliding down with my daughter. So, and I epitomize the entire lifestyle focus on that Instagram. So if you want to see me living it and ask questions and talk to me, just hit me up on there. Outstanding. Hey, Chandler, great conversation today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Hopefully we brought some people some value and we can start working less and living a little more. Outstanding. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. 
All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.